0: Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Today we bring you the Luke Summers. Friend, good human being, COO, and resident BA at Power Athlete HQ down in Austin, Texas. COO means Chief Operations Officer. BA, I will not tell you what that acronym stands for. You'll you'll just have to go down to Austin and find out for yourself, but I'm warning, be on guard. That's a joke. Luke is an incredible human being. He's a fantastic coach, not only of athletes, but of coaches. The things that they do at Power Athlete are, are unique, refreshing, and in a lot of ways, revolutionary. So we're really excited to hear his perspective on a lot of things today. We get into today, among other things, fatherhood. We found it so interesting to hear about how his accumulated experiences over a lifetime lent him to perhaps uh, whatever degree of success he's having in fatherhood, but also how being a father has added a very, obviously enough, new and important level of purpose to the way he goes about each and every day. There are so many cool things to be learned from this episode of the podcast with Luke Summers. Can we jump right into an important question? Absolutely. Uh, fatherhood? Question yeah. mark. That's the
1: question. What about it? has uh, been, I mean, well, when exactly it happened is debatable, right? I mean, that's a hot social topic. But when, on what day did I hold my daughter in my arms for the first time was August 1st at 2.36 in the morning. And at 2.36 and 30 seconds, she pooped on my chest. Oh, God. That is not a joke. The fr- Like, she peed on me, then pooped on me. She's a prodigal. Yeah, but, uh, right away. Yeah. Some background on that. So uh, my wife and I had had baby girl in August, August 1st. And prior to that, we had been dating for 11 years. Yeah. Well, I guess together for 11 years, married for one and a half. So it's like, this has always been on the trajectory for us. I've always, I just always wanted to have family and leading up to it. It is interesting. Like, you know, you want, you know, you want to venture into this space, and the the one recurring theme as you go into this download and capture mode in talking to new parents, kind of new parents, parents of an only child, multiple kids, grandparents, you know, so I was given the advice early on, don't listen to what other people have to say about parenting and child, like raising a kid. And I just decided that I don't know, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to listen to everything and try to draw my own conclusions. Right but is you're never ready and you never know what you're getting into. Right. So like, that's a very interesting, um, like very interesting mindset to be thrust into because for the most part, everything in life, like you kind of have a pretty good idea, you know what I mean? And this is this weird dark space. So that was a a little built a little bit of apprehension, but one piece of advice, or I guess one dad said to me, um, you know, While your wife is pregnant and before your baby girl is born, you cannot, don't even, you'll never know for sure. You can't imagine what life is going to be like after you hold her in your arms, right? And then once you hold your baby girl in your arms, you will not be able, you couldn't imagine living life without her, you know? And it's like that, that's the one thing that's resonated with me is, you know, you hold a little kid every day. Number one, what a miracle. I can't believe that people can create this person like the biology is pretty well documented but once like it's flesh and blood that's right what like what did we do um but you think why would anyone trade this in this is great like like the 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 unknown and the personality that's yet to be developed and i guess as a taking a mindset of a coach maybe uh like this is a lifelong project right it can be, or maybe you bow out for a year or two, you know, but there, you have the ability to influence in the sense of, you know, building skill or helping develop skill, passion, mindset, grit, like these things that are so, I don't know if they're a cliche now, but people, the thing that we feel, whether it, you know, you're working with young athletes regularly, I'm more on the line of working with coaches who are working with athletes and they're kind of escalating these issues of. Just don't have hard workers. It's not like it used to be, you know. I have buddies that are in management positions in uh, l- legal and law firms, in um, liquor distributors, and, and they're just like, you know, these kids these days are they're worthless. They can't do anything. We have an intern who's sitting across from me right now. He's okay, you know. <laughs> but you think like you want to have a. My goal is to produce a contributing member of society who's, who has, who has a set of values and who's passionate and, and like gives back as much as they take, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. So I don't, I want to hear more about your personal experience, but I can't mm-hmm. let that line lapse without talking about it because what a coach thing to say, like you've got outcomes in mind already, right? And, and, yeah. and how to build for them then becomes the question. It's
1: mm-hmm. yeah, so mm-hmm.
0: like, what, what does that look like for you? I mean, you've read baby books. You, it sounds like you no, filtered. No, man,
1: like I, I was talking to, um, I'm working few, through a few things personally, uh, with a buddy of mine who's pretty switched on and, um, I guess it like they're uh, without at the risk of sounding, I don't know, uh, conceited or like, like I'm, I'm pretty happy with my mindset, my belief systems. But if you were to ask me what, describe them. I wouldn't be able to, right. I feel like I'm a good person. Um, My intent, I feel like I'm well-intended. I'm, I am well intended i am i am as honest as I can be at at all times, as long as like, I I have no, no desire to lie. Right. Like I, I just, but I don't run into a lot of people like this. My friends aren't necessarily like this, um, overtly per se. And you hear about other folks through, uh, word of mouth. But so my, it starts with like, okay, we have our proverbial power athlete methodology based on these nine training principles that allow us to evaluate and apply any training, yada, yada, yada. Right. McQuilkin did this beautiful mind thing and created this methodology that if you're a coach truly it like you can work with anyone and apply any program. Yeah. So my goal is to try and understand how I've become so socially adaptable, uh, capable, analytical, like what were the values that I stand on, or what drove me to that position, and not necessarily push the values, but more the process. So that's my goal there, because I think if you have those tools, then playing a sport or playing an instrument or painting a painting is just an ex, is an expression of is an expression of the discipline, rather than like um, like a mission to acquire a skill, you know.
0: Expression but, of the discipline. That's a great term.
1: But this is all. Like, I have no idea how I'm going to pull it off. I think it like heavily relies heavily on routine, being healthy, ha- like like uh, ha- having a value on health, wellness, and performance. Whether that's an athletic endeavor, you know, I joke with um, my wife. Like I, re- I I we there's a guy named Greg Welsh out of he's out of the East Coast. What was what's his gym? It'll come to me. But he came and visited us in Costa Mesa when we were in California and Wolf Brigade, Wolf Brigade Fitness, like Mesa's and clubs or something like that. But I think he was telling because he was a motocross guy and I think he was telling me that there is some research right out there about how kids who compete in pedal BMX at a young age have like find success in athletics later in life. Once they don't do BMX anymore, and I started to think like, man, I rode my bike everywhere and like I was ramping it. Up. You, If it looked like an angle, I was ramping it. You know what I mean? And like you're falling down, standing on the seat, standing on the handlebars. And um, while I'm not a 10 year NFL pro like my buddy John Wellborn, like I'm no schlub, you know, come on. <laughs> <The champion.
0: laughs> yeah. Does he have a he doesn't have an Illinois high school football state championship ring either. No, he does credit John, obviously.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and, and i found myself to at least be relatively versatile athlete and enjoy the competition because you excel in it or you're capable or competitive. So I think that like, yeah, Hey, our daughter's getting into BMX. First thing we're putting her on dirt bikes. Like it's happening. There's no gymnastics. There's no, there's no ballet BMX. Let's go.
0: BMX. Let's go. mm -hmm. That's the title of your baby book. Yeah, that is. Let's go. Start here first. <laughs> I like that a lot. So, what do you what do you think? Like, what would you attribute that to? Uh, and I want to lead us quickly, just so it doesn't float. Uh, the book range. Have you heard of it or read
1: it? Oh, going back to like reading baby books and books. Odds are, I haven't read it, and because and I and I, you know, I, I tend to consume content that serves my purpose, right? And to up until this point. I have never considered any of this shit, you know, for me, it was it being very analytical in nature. My, I would consume discussion threads on how to index your spreadsheets to blah, 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 finance, um, recurring monthly revenue models, like non stuff like that. Right. So No, I guarantee I haven't read any of the stuff that you like a a very thoughtful and mindful dude like you like buries his nose into.
0: Well, that's I don't um, I haven't read I haven't gotten into the baby literature yet. (laughs) Uh, So but early, uh, early, like childhood psychology and stuff like that kind of range, though, is uh, this book by a guy named David Epstein. Um, Have you heard of the sports gene? Remember that? That one got pretty popular. And he wrote this new book called Range. Um, it's really, really important work. And it essentially – so I'll give a little backstory. story. I, I had this idea for a TED Talk like five years ago and scrapped it. It wasn't ready. I couldn't put it together. I didn't have enough research behind it. But it was essentially like the value of doing everything. And it came from like my own experience. I think you fall into this category as well. It's like you, you weren't born um, a coach of coaches, no, but I, but like to become a coach of coaches, it's this, it's this really wide ranging variety of experiences that you've accumulated over time that allows you to talk to and relate to a lot of different people. So mm. I was like, I, I was an art major in college. I was a sports administration minor. I was playing football. I was lifting like crazy and et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, I just couldn't, people were like, you've got to, you've got to narrow that down. You've got to funnel. And I'm like, I, I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm too interested mm. in all of these things. So I tried to put this presentation together about like the value of doing everything and what you know, like reading poetry brings to the weight room and, and you know and, and how I can essentially try to do somewhat of what you're doing. Um, but then David Epstein wrote this book Range, and I was like, that's it, that's what it is. It talks about um, essentially it's a counterbalance to the idea of over specialization way too early. Um, and and he talks about the value. In fact, it opens with an anecdote. So this won't go anything, you know. This one is not a spoiler. We talked okay. about uh, the Tiger versus Federer model. You know, those two guys were obviously at, at one point, Roger Federer and Tiger Woods were at the absolute pinnacle of their sport in the world. No, no one mm-hmm. could touch them. And they got there in two very different ways. Tiger was a prodigy beyond prodigies and like winning 10 and under golf tournaments at six and like, you know, just a lunatic and did that only forever. Uh, Federer, whose mom actually was a tennis pro, was encouraged to do everything so in fact they he would even when they were playing tennis um it's reported that they wouldn't play just traditional strict tennis they'd like try to use the racket and hit the ball over a certain limb on a tree and just like play games and have fun mm-hmm. and how like one of those is is just such a way better way to set your to set someone up for success'cause if if that thing that you selected, if you started to funnel at six and that doesn't pan out, there's nowhere to go and and the, he kind of maps this out over time like he talks about like neuroscientists are the absolute worst because they have to dig down so deep to get great at neuroscience that they don't know anything about anything else pretty much. They've mm-hmm. dug themselves mm-hmm. deep. I, I say all that to get back to this BMXing. I'm like what could, be, what could hold through that? I like the idea about like when you talk about riding bikes and having to ride bikes, it's like you're not talking about uh, doing a 100-meter sprint on a bike. You're talking about like getting out into the atmosphere and exploring the geography of it and having fun and playing. <laughs> Yeah, totally. It's interesting.
1: Yeah, and that's and in, in, in terms of like the range concept. Here's what's tricky with all that stuff, man. Is like the you know, as you create these, as you evaluate these paragons as models for uh, normal everyday dudes or chicks. Yeah. Like it gets slippery because, well, this is what Michael Jordan did. So if I do this, you know, it, it affords me this right, and like you know. There's a level of individuality to it, right? Because I I do believe that even though there is, let's say, uh, man, so wait, here we go. I probably am going to lose where I was going, but the Tiger Woods model, you know, there's an old SNL skit with, um, man, I think it was Tracy Morgan and I can't remember but it like I'm talking nineties, man. And they're like it was during that Tiger Woods period and, and it's the skit was, you know, like a sixty minutes deal interviewing Tiger and his dad, but like in separate locations, you know. And, and they're like, how you know, tell us about Tiger's upbringing. How did he, how did he find golf? What was he like when he, when he was a kid? He's like, since that baby could hold a, a golf club in his hand, he would swing in that golf club to and fro all the live long day. Yeah. He loved that golf club. Hard cut, Tiger Woods. I hated that golf club. My father glued it in my hands, and I had to swing it to get you know. But um, That's funny. trying to bounce back into um, where I was going is in, in creating a model or uh, maybe a, a rough analogy on the training side of things like, okay, so we know that there's an optimal way to diet and exercise to lose weight. Right. right. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if it like, let's say that optimal way is this range approach. Mm-hmm. But if the subject doesn't believe or they don't want it, like then will it be effective? Right. So let's say, uh, uh I got somebody – I got somebody who just – the goal is to lose weight, not necessarily be an athlete. Yeah. You say, well, you need to lift weights. You need to eat a high-protein diet. You need to uh, you know, do some sprints and we know like long-term that the the physiological adaptations and neurological adaptations to that are going to just be more useful. But they could probably also go vegan and walk on a treadmill and believe that more so than the other and ultimately – hit an endpoint that is a lot closer to where they need to be. than should they be on something they don't necessarily have faith in right now? I'm not advocating necessarily specialization, but I'm with you in the sense that my intent is to have like the everything pizza of childhood. Like let's try it all, man. Right. Like, is it music? Is it art? Is it sport? Is it, a, are you an aquatic creature, little Ruby? Like let's do it. Let's find out. And, uh, all of it becomes an adventure at one point or the other, right? Well, you just,
0: you just hit the nail on the head. Like, yes, but, but the, I think the concern – well, the very real truth is that Roger Federer eventually became hyper-focused. That's like the obvious truth. Yeah. It's, you know, Eventually, to use your terminology, eventually you burn the ships and, you know, and, and, and this is what you're doing at least at that mm-hmm. moment in time. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, but to get to the point where full investment, to like an uh, absolute deliberate practice for this one singular sort of outcome, to get to that point and do that successfully and not burn out and drive yourself freaking like absolutely nuts, requires, I think, from my own experience, broadly mm-hmm. speaking, and this doesn't account for the yep. outliers. It range and sort of funneling into that, it's, it's a tool essentially. So, hyper focus, I think, is a tool. Um, what you just said, the weight loss thing is really interesting. We talk about that all the time. Um, like what you like, any of those things could lead to weight loss. The only truth to weight loss is that you got to be in a calorie deficit, you know, what I mean? so yeah. whether it's running, whether, you know, whether it's burning more, consuming less, whatever it might be. Like there's only one real truth to this, essentially, um, and then and that's why people like you, why coaches matter so much, because because you are essentially you're a psychologist, like you're a therapist, a psychologist, a motivator, you're all these things, because you got to figure out with client A, if it, it or student A, um, is this going to be, are they really going to dig into this lifestyle where they're going to run and, and lift things and and toss things or is it the discipline of a strict diet, veganism, strict carnivore, whatever it might be, that, sure. they, can, that they really uh, find exciting to fold into their life? So you, you're mm-hmm. the one that's gotta sort of architect that outcome, but the ultimate outcome is the same, mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or very similar, at least. Uh, okay, so what do you feed your daughter? Is she breast vegan milk. now, are you are you already setting her down? I'm just kidding.
1: No, just, just breast milk and creatine. Yeah, and, and creatine. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: love it okay this is a this is a question of mostly of genuine curiosity but also ignorance like what can she what can she do what like what is <laughs> developmentally what uh-huh. does that look like so great, great question, question. <laughs> you know and I,
1: so i i I talked to our buddy Rafa Wee's about this just like a couple of weeks ago i'm like so because his son i'm coming back to it don't worry his son is maybe 10, eight or ten and has just picked up flag football right yeah and is obsessed and roth is the in my in my experience like the archetypal coach like he is he is like D, like in the dna is a coach i you know i enjoy it i'm capable but like he at his core um he's like man you know i was so stoked to have a little boy and then i realized they don't do anything they do nothing for like two years they eat they poop they sleep right like there's no there's really nothing you can do to influence the, the system. Like they're just on autopilot. So uh, for the first, honestly, man, it's like it's pretty interesting. And I, this this was all became new to me because after, let's say, six weeks, you start to notice like, oh, there's kind of some deliberate hand movement, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay, eyes are opening. Oh, she can notice like she'll, she'll track to a window and – She's looking at the window and the light coming in. So a percept, someone who understands a little bit, and I'm not saying like I'm well-versed, but like I understand adaptations of movement and patterning, right? And like, and these things were not something she couldn't do. And then all of a sudden one day they start to click and you see that go from having to turn her whole head to her eyes start to move instead of just her head, you know, and then she starts to grab these things and then she learns that she has a tongue, right? Right. And then she learns she can, has a hand and then she has like hand and mouth and then she's blowing spit bubbles. So like there's all these little interesting milestones that you're like, that wasn't there last week. Like this is pretty, you know, and it's pretty impressive because like what we're doing is like we're myelinating. The nervous system is growing and there's a little test, I guess you can do on uh, like if I guess, and maybe you tell me, Jim, like if you were to, if you were to take the, the bottom of a foot and you were to like tickle it this way, the toes are supposed to curl, right? Makes sense? I think that's like a, a neurological test. Uh-huh. Well, on babies, they do the opposite. So they fling. Really? Yeah. And um so every week or so I'm waiting I'm waiting to find that time where all of a sudden it goes like and starts to curl. Hmm. And that's indicative of like the nervous system starting to wire up. And like it's just cool to think that there's this little unintelligent, worthless flesh ball that is like just because of time mm-hmm. and because of sensory input and, you know, I'm the, I wouldn't consider myself like a religious dude, but like whatever magnificent connection she has to her parents, um, like these things start to lay down, yeah. uh, meaningful, uh, adaptations to where one day she's going to be doing a backflip on a BMX bike. You know what I mean? Like That's
0: Like her dad. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
1: So, and I guess those are called, Jim, those are called leaps. They have, they're like these windows of development, whether it's growth, physical growth or neurological growth. Um, They're pretty standardized, I guess. Like there's leap one, leap two, and leap three. And there's an app out there like, hey, your baby's coming up on a leap. So if she's fussy or clingy, it's because she she doesn't know what's happening. All of a sudden, like light has turned into shapes. Yeah. And shapes have turned into colors and like. So it's scary because they've never experienced it before.
0: right? That's so interesting. I admittedly do not know about that. I, my, I, my mild understanding of early childhood development comes at a stage, you probably heard it, object permanence. Have you, it it no. essentially means it's when you can um, kind of hold, loosely speaking, hold a concept in mind. And I think that, that uh, yeah, one of the yeah. famous, te- it's like the teddy bear test kind of. Like uh, if, a, if a baby sees a teddy bear, and then you like put it behind someone's back or whatever at a certain stage, they, 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 might be excited by the teddy bear, but then they don't care and it's gone and it's outside out of mind. But eventually you get to the stage where, uh, you, they're excited about it. You hide it and they they, they're looking for it. They can't wait for it to come back. You know what I mean? And they're super. Yeah, excited. yeah. So, um, object permanence. And that's when like I think pretty interesting thoughts and patterns start to develop cause you can hold a concept and, and then build mm-hmm. on that. Um, well, it it sounds amazing. I have a I have to ask this question too. Are you sleeping?
1: I got a good setup, man. I got a good gig. So, we uh, w- our house is two stories and the nurse it's up there. Okay? So, with that said, I've got a whole floor to insulate any sort of noise. Love it. Um and my w- I've made a a deal with my wife, and this isn't like there wasn't a lot of negotiation. I like I was open to do like to do whatever. Just tell me what to do put me to work. I'm ready. Like, this is, this is what I want you know, but I also really like to sleep. So if you know, we could work that into the bargain, but it, uh, she's, she takes all the evening shifts right after. So once there's kind of like this co-sleeping period where mom, uh, my wife did like a, did natural birth and unmedicated, which is that in itself, man, you want to like, d- women are tough. Yes. And she, she crushed it. So Uh, but the thing is, it's like, it's like a six month recovery process. So for the first seven days, she's not supposed to even stand up. So, and she's got to feed the baby. So that means, and the baby's eating every hour to two hours. So that means like, I'm, I'm assistant coach, baby's in the room. I grab the baby, throw it on the mom. Not like literally, but like, Hey mom, do your thing. I literally am no use to you. Um, and then after that, she can get out of bed but she can't leave the room so then there's another 7 days of that so 2 weeks is like there was very little sleep yeah which it's fine like uh and then after that it's the next milestone is the next 40 days so 40 days is like once you hit day 40 then it's like cool to maybe think about putting the baby in the nursery right and one thing we ha- our va- like we had agreed We do not want that baby in a room. Like we love the baby, but we also want like to maintain the sanctitude of our life as a married couple. Um, So day 40 comes and it's like baby sleeping upstairs. And then that was the talk like, okay, so what's the plan here? Because we still got to feed like now every three hours ish. So if baby goes goes down at nine or last feedings at nine. You've got this one, four, seven cadence. So what's the one o'clock plan and four o'clock plan? She's like, I'll take it. You don't have a boob, like you can't do anything. So, and I'm like, well, what, how do, like, don't, what do really I, gotta, joke, Alex. I wasn't going
0: to. <laughs> Sorry.
1: <laughs> what, like, what do I gotta, what do I gotta do to, like, what's, what's it, like, what's the trade off here? She's like, I just wanna make sure, uh, if you could help me at seven o'clock, make sure, like, just make me breakfast and get me some meals ready and snacks through the day. Yeah. Uh, then I'll be pretty happy because my typical schedule was like five thirty, five forty five. Mm -hmm. head to the gym, train at 6 a.m., and that would be training probably 6 a.m. to 8.30. 8.30, walk down to the barn at Power Athlete Ranch, start the workday, work till 5.30 or 6, 6.30, home at 7, dinner, in bed by 9.30, 10. Like that was kind of the cadence leading up. So now I just have to get into the gym by 5.30, be back home by 7.30. Mm Mm-hmm. And then back to the office by nine. So that's seven thirty to nine. I'm basically helping with the baby, changing diapers, cooking, cleaning, laundry, whatever's on my list. That's my like. I got to give her a reprieve in those t- that time. Yeah. So with that that said, like in bed by nine thirty to ten, up at five thirty isn't the worst. It's not ideal because I'm like six hours ish. Yeah. Um, but it's better than you know Doc Parsley, who's one of the sleep. He's a former Navy SEAL dude, focuses on sleep for Navy SEALs. Some He read off a stat that, what is it, like in the first, do you remember what he said about newborns in turn? Like new parents in the first year will lose six months of sleep or something like that? Six months, like that can't be accurate. Maybe it's the first, yeah. It's like you lose, it, it may not be the first year. So here's, sure. listeners, here's the thing. There's a lot of slippage in margin on this, it could be one to five years and it could be like one month to six months of sleep. So maybe it's like first five years of life, lose six months of sleep. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about sleeping straight for six months.
0: Yeah, it is. It makes sense though. And I, and I see what you're saying and whether that's the exact, um, Mm -hmm. science behind it, it, regardless (laughs) it, it, uh, it makes sense. So I'm thinking a lot about this, the sleep thing I'm telling you. So we feel really lucky. The the amount of workshops we're doing, the amount of people that we're able to interact with and expose and, and are exposed to uh, is growing. And the sleep concern is – it's omnipresent. There is not – whether it's the north side, whether it's, you know, Naperville or the south side of Chicago or down in Texas or out in Boston or in Cal- – it, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's everywhere. And I, and I think to um, – parenthood, this is, this is someone who's not a parent talking, telling someone who is fair enough. Like uh, as long it, as
1: you quali- that was like what I also qualified leading up to being a parent is like, first off, I don't have a kid. I'm guessing you can disvalidate this if you want. Right.
0: Totally. So I'm just, and it's more of, it's more theoretical. I'm like, you shouldn't have to stop being you to, to have a, a child in the family. Um, mm-hmm. What's an important component of being you. Uh, well, your your cognitive awareness, the way you interact with people, all those things, which can be significantly degraded in states of near absolute sleep deprivation or highly interrupted or giving up six months over the course of X amount of years.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but my so even though my so my wife's dealing with these evening sessions, she's diligent in logging and, le, and so she for man, I want to say 80 percent compliance, eight eight plus hours a night. So she'll like. She comes right back in. She wears, you know, good sleep hygiene. She's got the yellow lenses on at night. Pops back down. Is asleep within ten seconds. Like she's a, the Sandman, dude. So sorry to cut you off.
0: But. Well, no, the, well, the, that was exactly kind of where I was leading. Was, but you don't have to if you're thoughtful about it. Like you guys yeah. are doing. You're not just sort of surviving parenthood. You've you've got some strategies. You've got a plan. Yeah. You're being really thoughtful about it. Um, my cousin has done this, my sister is doing this, she just had a kid. Um, oh, nice. Like, so, but but the ones who, who have structure, it, it, I guess it's not like the amazing epiphany that one would think, but like if you have a structure and a plan and you know what you want the outcomes to look, look like at least approximately, that gives you a little bit of wiggle room, but certainly a track to run down Um I don't know. That, that is the thing. And I'll tell you like the, the concept of fatherhood, that's one of the scariest things to me. Cause like, if I can't sit down, I I think back to the moments of of the times in my life where I was in a state of sleep deprivation and and you can't do deep work in a state of sleep deprivation. It's just that period end of story. Um, so that, that's a concerning thing, but I'm glad that's going well for you. And pretty soon.
1: So also on that note though, like, see you're probably too smart and I, you know, no, in the sense that like you, you understand the physiology behind the statement of in sleep deprivation, you can achieve this deep focus in work. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I've chosen, you know, going back to the origin of this chat and my nine months of just anecdotal research for, you know, whether we are at summer strong or we had a podcast guest on or, um, talking with someone at the market about, Oh, your wife's pregnant. Congratulations. Oh, are you a parent? Yeah. Tell me about it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, I just made a conscious decision that this is going to be like the best thing that's happened to me. For sure. You know, and, and believe it Mm -hmm. very similar to, I guess, making a choice when I learned about what I, what I believe is, you know, an optimal approach to fueling, nutrition. Right. I just like, not diet. We'll call it diet. Right. Just call it what it is. Like, this is how I live now. Yeah. You know, like this <laughs> right. is it. I, I just, I don't eat, I don't buy hostess. I don't eat cereal for breakfast. Like I eat, yeah, I'll eat beef liver for breakfast. Like this is just how I do it. Yeah. Um, similar to fatherhood and parenthood is like, this is challenging, but I like, like, this is making me a better version of myself. Mm-hmm. Right. And just recently, you know, having these epiphanies of like my daughter deserves the best version of me. My colleagues do my, my spouse does my family does. And I, and yeah, like, man, I'm tired some days. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But all I can do, all I can take, all I can rationalize is I've made the choice to do this and I have a choice to see it as a burden or uh, a gift, right? And I think that should twenty-seven-year-old Luke had a kid, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't have that. I didn't have that horsepower then, or self-awareness or mindfulness. I would. I could see how young parents, some of the guys I talked to who had kids in their twenties and early twenties, were like, "Oh, dude, right? It's rough. Strap yourself in, right? Yeah, I'm a thirty-six-year-old dude. Like, I'm beyond that, I guess."
0: I, you're you're so right about all everything that you've said has been right so far. I'm fact checking and making notes here. Uh, so there's well there's a couple of things I think to acknowledge. One is that um, when I talk about like deep work, I'm talking about like I personally cannot dig into a 30-page scientific journal article with any sort of you know d- deep thought and. It, it, in state of sleep deprivation. I can go to work and do most of my job there, right? I think there's a a, a big range between optimal and like where you drop off the threshold into like unsafe or, you know. but the range exists, and recognizing that within yourself matters. Uh, but the optimism that you were just talking about actually matters as well. There's a professor; her name is Ellen Langer. Um, she she has done some sleep studies as it pertains to. She didn't really do sleep studies; she did uh, sort of mindfulness studies. And this is this is pre like pre-modern American mindfulness, this is mindfulness as sort of a, a concept of, a cognitive concept, like to be present and focused right here and now, and then mm-hmm. one of the measurements thereafter. But um, she, th- they took people into a sleep lab, and unbeknownst to them, uh, messed with their alarms when they woke up. And, uh, you know, there are, there are actual physiological things going on in sleep, you know this, like that, that yeah. have to happen. But sleep demeanor upon waking is something that we haven't done a ton of study on, um, and you know, people. Why don't people like mornings? Because they're groggy. What, you know, and you can attribute that to some of the physical factors, but there's also this mental state. And what she found was, um, if you say you got eight hours of sleep, and the clock reflected that, fine, you were probably fine. If you got eight hours of, uh, if you got seven hours of sleep but set the clock ahead so that you essentially believe that you got eight hours of sleep, you were fine. And if you got eight hours of sleep, but mess with the thing and, and you thought that you didn't get as much sleep, you were groggier. You were like, you know, so so taking this <laughs> approach that you're saying and being like, this is my life, this is what I'm doing, it's totally freaking worth it. It's what I wanted. Um, mm-hmm. That's probably balancing you out in very, very real and potentially quantifiable way. So it sounds yeah, legit yeah. to me.
1: Um, that's that's a strategy so anyone listening just be, gotta want it gotta believe gotta be a believer
0: what else so what else is going on in your life specifically like approximately first week of december
1: oh uh it is power athlete symposium time
0: tell me more about this
1: <laughs> i'm glad you asked jim <laughs> sure. thanks thanks yes uh the power athlete symposium uh is my largest mistake as a professional uh not care, it's like careful what you wish for right it is our end of the year capstone event where we bring out interesting folks who we've run across in the podcast at other events at conferences and we offer our access to these folks and by our i do predominantly mean john who's founder power athlete 10 year nfl veteran well respected in this this space and others and just he has a level of access that a lot of people don't. And what he asks of these folks is to come support an event. That's a fundraising event for a, our, our childhood cancer charity to come out and present to our followers, right? Our customers, our, our fans, I guess, you know, and, um, three day event starts. So it's uh, this year it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday to give some, a lot of wiggle room on travel, some feedback from previous years, but it's in Austin, Texas. And, um, man, the goal is, is that of the organization is to empower performance. And, you know, what, what does that even mean? It's intentionally broad brush, but, you know, for a a guy like me, once upon a time, empowering performance meant, uh, you know, improving a 40 time or improving time off a ball or something like that. But now what does it mean? It means exactly a year ago, man, before last symposium, I would never have been able to have this conversation with you. Right. And knowing I just it going back to where my interests lie tend to be that that, uh, you know, I guess fuels my purpose and powers my agenda. I I wasn't going to be like I wasn't in charge of somebody's life at that point or I didn't believe that I was. And I I guess I make no illusions that, you know, on our podcast and podcasts like this, there's a very real chance that there's someone out there listening who is, you know, man these are great points I'm going to shift my perspective and that that trajectory has changed. So I like, I don't necessarily dismiss that, but those are things that I feel are kind of outside of that trichotomy of control in the sense that like, yeah, sure I can influence it, but I like, there's no, I don't receive anything from that per se. Right now I have a human in my life, a little pipsqueak who, you know, may can, can in very simple terms, You know, be a wolf or a rabbit type deal, and I want to. I want my daughter to be a wolf, and um, you know, not in the sense of necessarily violent, but like, uh, there's something about like if you were to be one or the other, you want to be running or chasing. Like, I want her to be chasing whatever it is she wants, and I want her to shred it when she gets it, whatever that is. Um, that that became a reality, and I realized that you know, I guess maybe like a little Jordan Peterson esque. I, I listened to him a little bit on Rogan. I haven't read any of his book, but like you know, start with like clean your own room, right. It starts with you. And, uh, I've guess I, guess ia little bit of Dunning Kruger, I thought I was really switched on and I had a good system. And then when I had a buddy stress test it, I realized I don't know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so
0: how, did, about, how did that get stress tested? And I love the, uh, Dunning Kruger, you've used some great terms today. Uh,
1: I think I know what most of them mean. I attribute to my colleague and dear friend McQuilkin for, uh, calling me on a lot of my BS and in, in helping with some of the stress testing. But um, yeah, man, I, I, I just, and I guess as things get, I'm not a political dude per se either, but it's hard not to know, like there's some heated stuff going on, right? And like a lot of people, like, I guess I learned it now that I'm thinking about it back in my corporate gig. We used to call it the Navistar salute where, you know, for listeners like, hey, what's going on? And you take two fingers and point to the other guys. Like everyone's afraid to just go, this guy. Like maybe, maybe this guy has something to do with it. Maybe not all of it. Um, but I wasn't, I guess I just didn't appreciate that concept back then. Right. Right. It was, I was uninterested to me. I want to know how I can get our subscription programming business from 1200 people to 5,000 people. Okay. What are those initiatives? What are we doing with our content? How can we be more efficient with our time? Mm -hmm. Like those are the things that that's my agenda. So I would focus most of my research and thought on that. And as soon as I get that nugget, I just fucking move on. Like that was my thing. Move on, move on versus like, hang on. Okay. We've got this. Let's do a little analysis here. Yeah. Let's do a little reflection here. Let's do a little like, um, capture method. Let's weigh this against w- the global objective, your core values and the things you value doing. Okay. Where does this fit on that chart? Huh? Interesting. Let's log that. like, so it's just trying to shift my, um, my, my internal workflow.
0: It's amazing. Um, and, and that's the way to do it. And I think that's hard for a lot of people. You mentioned the difference between, I hate to, this is, this is something that I run a, across all the time, whether it's good athlete project at the high school, we're bringing in a new group of interns. We have a ton of kids to work with. I wonder how much of this can be learned and how much is the difference between being 25 and 35. Yeah, but, you know, I, yeah. I I don't know. I I, yeah. I want to bottle it and teach it, but
1: Dude, I was just a I was a um like I forget what that like an old stick of dynamite at twenty five. You know, like it's one of these things that doesn't have a fuse, but it's totally unstable. And it, like if you bump it the wrong way, it's gonna obliterate everything in its path. Like man, that's just what I, I don't know why. You know? Um probably because man i just like i was in a corporate gig wasn't really happy didn't get to you know i had to i felt like i need to wear a mask every day because on one end i was just this young kid who liked riding the guardrails but in the corporate life i wanted to be center line t- you know tight tie clean shaven and it just wasn't me yeah um you know probably a little bit of resentment well resentment not probably regret i guess is the right term for uh, didn't get to play college football. And like, that was my plan, you know, and maybe that simmered with me and I hadn't coped with like, who knows, man, you're 20, like literally 25 year old is pro- probably belonged in an insane asylum. Right. Um, but I also think that that's just kind of like you, you meet working with military and trying to understand the initiative of the military. Like there's a reason why we recruit, I think we recruit young men and women and like the, the, infancy of their adulthood is because you you literally know nothing and you're weaponized, right? Like ready to strike. And if you're that type of person, you have a, you go to this MOS. If you're, you know, m- this type of person, you go to this type of job in the military. So yeah, man, I, like I, it it has to be like, there has to be something with age there. Um, and like, I think, you know, there's a meme. What is it? Like, isn't there like an inverse chart meme where it's like, you know, age versus what I think I know. Right. And as age increases, there's an inverse relationship between what you realize you actually know.
0: Could be. That's that's similar to the Dunning-Kruger idea for those who don't like mm-hmm. it's essentially when you first hear an idea, you think you, you're like, oh, yeah, I get it. And you mm-hmm. think. But, but then the, the more you look into it, the more you recognize that. I, I don't know. Half yeah. Half of this stuff. That's interesting. But I, I got to give you more credit than that, though. So I don't think just aging. I don't think age and wisdom. are are on a similar time like they don't happen at the same time i think i think you can age well but you can age if you're not looking around uh and surrounded by good people and trying Mm -hmm. to understand things then you don't necessarily gain understanding with age if if anything yeah i mean this is like tale as old as anything it's like you can gain cynicism you know you could um, uh yeah you could be, you be like, the, you could think that the world is cold if you don't interpret barriers the right way. You could, you could, I mean, that that narrative is pretty pervasive. And what that looks like, I, I'm not going to get political either. But could you imagine if you got stuck in? Say you never get out of that dead end job, or no, I mm-hmm. shouldn't say that. But like a job that wasn't for you, certainly. Yeah. Um, and you stayed in it until you were 45, 50, uh, and you are, and you can't quit it because now you, there's another life in your life. Um, you know, and all of a sudden you're in your fifties and you are cynic, like a, a true cynic, uh, mm-hmm. resentful, don't like doing this. There's, and so what do you start to do? You do the cross, you start blaming and complaining, you know, and, and I, in the political process reflects that because you also have a vote, something's mm-hmm. wrong. Where can we point the finger? You know what I mean? And, and what do we, I don't want to say anything. I was about to say what swamp <laughs> needs to be drained, but I don't mm-hmm. want to go too close to politics, but like, you know, um but that's, but that is happening in the world very, you know, clearly. So,
1: yeah, um, how does it correct though? How does it correct? Cause also like that a lot of this is because mm-hmm. I like, I just keep going, like it'll loop back to parenting. Right. And I, I feel like a pendulum has to swing, you know, that it's just, it's bonkers to think that like a hot topic to chat about is, uh, you know, What it used to look like, I forget, like, man, when we were kids, you want to know where your friends were at? Look for their bikes outside the house, right? Versus sitting in a basement, right? And I think that our gen, I want to believe that our generation wants to correct, wants to pendulum to swing the other way for the experiences of our children, right? We want, we want them to feel safe and free to run around, scrape their knees, to make mistakes, to fail. To fall in love and be able to manage heartbreak, to get bullied, right? Don't like get bullied. Get a little but bullied. <laughs> manage like, like manage it you within know I mean?
0: within reason, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. But and, but that's important. Yeah,
1: and uh, and be exposed to these things because at the end of the day, like the world the world can be cruel, man. And like yeah, uh, I really do like I, I do think that we're s- No, we're just thinking animals, right? And if you were to follow, like on social, the nature is metal. You know, this is something that I was raised in. My old man hunted quite a bit. We spent a lot of time in nature, Uh, and you see the natural like ebbs and flows of predator and prey, and like how gnarly that physical manifestation of of power and hierarchy and food chain exists. Like that is a very real depiction of the social construct on a football team, right? Like the, what your competitor is trying to dominate you, mm-hmm. how, like be aware of that or the social construct, even in a company, you got somebody who's going for a promotion against you that you've been friends with. Guess what? Like one of you has to get it like who, you know, the, in, in these scenarios, I, and I, I think are going to be like, they're, they're real, you know, that, And that some people are tooled up for it. Some people aren't, you know, I guess you generalize that as what adversity or something like overcoming adversity. But even that feels kind of foo-foo and buzzword. Yeah. I just think there's a very real toolkit to affording our kid, like affording children the opportunity to be independent, make mistakes and be punished.
0: I'm with you. So I've I've got, you You gave me a lot of things to talk about here. First of all, your first Hit question it. was who's going to solve it or how are we going to solve it. I've got an answer, but I'm going to bury it. All right. Uh the the idea between the physical and the cognitive uh in terms of like like uh we are animals, like really like right below the surface, we're animals. It, it it's it's irrefutable. Um look at footage of like a mob or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. And and once like two or three things in like the 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 society go off boom we're right back Um, and the question becomes we can acknowledge that and not indulge it or indulge it only in certain ways hypothetically the football linebacker has to learn certain things like when to tap into his animal self when to be strategic when to put an arm around a teammate and be like whatever next play move on whatever it might be like that that's where the toolkit uh, builds in and i think where you're going and we fully believe this is like don't deny that that dude wants to go take out that dude. You don't deny the animal instinct for sure, but help this person frame it. Because like you cannot, well, it, it, I, the body's such an incredible metaphor. You can't grow without stress. You have to impose some, like these certain sorts of demand. If you just keep stress away from your organism, there's no improvement, there's no growth, there's no nothing. So when you talk about the bullying thing, because it's a very hot topic thing. Um, it's, in, it's important to put that in context because I think uh, bullying especially like deliberate chronic like bullying with with real malintent uh, is is an indicator of an assortment of things so, like if there's one kid who's bullying one other kid that could be a I don't want to I'll go down a hypothetical narrative it might sure. be bully person A is getting abused at home Hypoth- I'm, yeah. you know what I mean so I'm not saying sure, totally, totally. I'm not saying full endorsement I'm saying when that kind of stuff goes on let's look at it as as teachers but as ki- but like Let's not eliminate the fact – like you just can't provide a cushion for everything. If, you, you might get pushed in the playground. That's OK. You know what I mean? Get up. Figure it out. Um, that's OK. So again, there's a threshold. When does it become something that we've got to intervene in and when do you just let the kid go and fall off the monkey bars again and mess up their, their wrists and break whatever? Uh, mm-hmm. So I think that again – it's important to understand that I, I think that you can't go too far one side or the other. You, you don't have to hug everybody all the time. Um, I, I think we agree on that. Here's the solution to the problem as I see it. Millennials are the answer, okay? And I really do mean this. You remember, you know that term and you're a millennial. Yeah. You know that? Yeah, yeah. Like you and I are on the, the higher range of of the millennials. I think that maybe like our generation has a good enough insight into both sides, like we can understand the tech world. We can understand the the economy of social media and like those kinds of things. And also kind of like what it was like to, yeah, like ride ride your bike around and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that our generation is positioned to do that. How that happens is a real, like it's a high systems level thing, but I'll give an example. I don't know if this is, if there are any takeaways in this, but I hope there are. I don't think there's ever a magic bullet solution. There's never... It just doesn't exist. I think too 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 often people are thinking, uh, say in education, well it's the parents, the parents don't care, or or whatever it might be. There's never a one off. It's stratified, so it's like uh, kid, teach the kid certain strategies, deal with failure, get up, go again. You know, growth mindset, whatever, put it into whatever SEL category you want. But teach the individual. Uh, then you go to the teachers, who are the people influencing that. What are the parents in the community like? You know, these are the, this is the strata of impact. What is the culture of the community? And then, what are the institutional decisions that, like, um, that that set up systematic issues, or 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 not, if that makes sense? But it's a different conversation at each level. Um, mm-hmm. And I won't go too far down that road. I guess all I would recommend to anyone who's thinking about doing this kind of work is that you really do have to consider the audience. If you and I both agree that sleep is an important thing, then the way that you talk to a kid about it, the motivations of a kid to put away Snapchat and whatever. That's much different than the way I talk to their parents about it, whose aim is to have, like you said, to to create a wolf. Okay, well, here's why sleep's important to your little wolf. And then at the institutional level, it's a, it's a far different, uh, discussion and it's a, it's a longer build, heavily researched, but whatever. So i maybe that's just a way to say recognizing the sort of outcome you want and then contextualizing or differentiating based on the audience. Right. Right. So,
1: and I guess identifying that stack, uh, or that hierarchy yeah as well
0: right yeah and I, I think I was talking like in a school level and, and for you guys maybe it's I don't know maybe it's maybe it's athlete coach athletic director I don't know if power athletes mm-hmm. school wide anywhere sure, sure. Yet, but you know so that's um, you know what's the audience there anyway so okay let's just go ahead and solve it
1: <laughs> easy Done. do you want to
0: start we've got it Nads, did you take notes there
1: oh did yeah, I even some so uh, yeah <laughs> So you know how this started is a symposium. <laughs> Holy cow. Yep.
0: <laughs> but Took this year's
1: so year Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Day one opens with Josh Bridges, who's a high-level CrossFit athlete, former Navy SEAL, pretty switched on dude in the training space. He's kicking off. And then John's former team le- teammate and NFL legend, Kyle Turley, is going to shred – some live music during the cocktail hour. Yeah. That precedes our silent auction bidding. Wow. So silent auction, we have a bunch of, uh, super generous donors too many to list. Uh, but we have lots of cool swag that we're opening up to the main, like to the public as well. So if there's people local to Texas, that just want to check out the auction and Turley and smash some tacos. Rob Wolf is going to be serving, uh, margaritas shirtless behind a bar. He's tending bar shirtless. Um, one of the silent auction items I have is roll with Rob. So I'm really pushing that. So if there's any BJJ dudes out there that want to wipe the floor with Rob Wolf, you can do that too. Like it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Uh, And then day two is when things like real constructive things start to happen. Day two kicks off Friday morning. We have what we're calling our power athlete practical, where we have a 10,000 square foot facility at our disposal. We're taking all 200, 250 people through a practical session Uh, they'll be working with myself, John, Tex, Callie, our block one coaches. Uh, and, and we're going to essentially spend three hours teaching them a lot of the stuff we've been tinkering with this year at Power Athlete HQ. Cool. That's going to lead into, to three epic speakers or four epic speakers that day. We have Turley is going to sit behind, talk to me, Johnny table, kind of live podcast format with Kyle, uh, with John. Yeah. And then we have Dr. Karen Kelly. Uh, we have Dr. Chris Morris. And then we have Ron McKeefrey. Oh, nice. Yeah, so those guys are going to be, and Gal, are going to be kicking, um, kicking around ideas, blowing up the audience on Friday. Saturday, then, is another practical session. Whole, the whole uh, audience is going through it. We have Dr. Tom Incladon oh. taking you all through a practical session. We have Anthony Lowe, who's a good physio buddy of mine from Sydney, Australia. I mean, this guy has like rescued me from the pits of peril. He just, he, the dude is switched on. I think he's a witch doctor. It's possible. He, like, he may be sent from the heavens only to treat me, but he has fixed me from chronic issues I thought were, like, I had no idea what was going on, right? And just by, like, looking at me and telling me to, like, wiggle my toes. Crazy, crazy
0: stuff. Uh, Can we pause there? That's really interesting. What? Give me one or two of those things.
1: Sure. One time, uh, so in in Newport Beach, there's a, an area on the beach called The Wedge, and every once in a while the wedge would break and it would be where the currents something like it's, kind of like a narrow jetty that came up to the beach line and the way that the water would come in on these waves would create these 15, 20, 30 foot swells and surfers from around the world would like take private jets and like ride this gnarly surf. Right. I am not that person. So it doesn't, this has very little to do with what happened. However, like down the beach, there was, like, kind of these more manageable big waves that were fun to fight with, right? Like, um, it's stuff that, like, probably resembling of some big surf in Lake Michigan, you know? Yeah. Like, when the waves would really start to churn up. Mm-hmm. So, you, like, I was just diving in these things, and you get beat up, and it's fun, and I don't know, like, I guess primal boyhood, like, wrestling with nature. And, like, being, like, the sensation of being overpowered is something you don't often feel after you're done competing. And like a huge wave will do that to you, and it's kind of like kind of exhilarating. So I dove into one of these waves, and it just like twisted me up just right. And imagine like diving position and getting your rib cage and armpit slammed into the 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 floor of the ocean. Yeah. And like immediately, I'm like, oh, did I like did I break my collarbone? Did I separate my shoulder? Is this a rib? What like what just happened? Something is bad, right? I can you know like everything. You know, it's like a, you get in a car accident, you hit the gas, you hit the brakes, you're good to drive. Like I just did one of these things and mm-hmm. yeah, okay, all right, let's roll. And then went into the gym the next day, tried to warm up for bench and like the barbell was a problem. Dumbbells were a problem. And this went on for 18 months, dozens of chiropractors, some PT, I'm getting acupuncture, ART, literally nothing. And, uh, like as after six months, I'm like, Hey, and we're booking a seminar in Sydney on these dates. It's nine months out. Be there, I need you, buddy. Yeah. And um, man, he he came in and he like kind of looked at me, and he's like, "All right, let's hang from this bar." And I hung from like a pull-up bar. He's like, "Do some push-ups." He's like, "All right," and he's like, "I'm gonna do a little bit of abdominal release, right?" And then uh, he's like, "Okay, go on that bar, do some shrugs, all right?" And he's like, "Okay, squat that barbell, jump back on the bar, kind of like switch grip, do some like reverse shrugs, hanging from a bar." Mm-hmm. And I like came down. He's like, "All right, how about now?" And, like, it was, it was healed, dude. And it's like, and this is, you know, where I think pain research is going is pain isn't necessarily structural. It's it's a interference with the nervous system. So if you can find movement patterns to say, okay, nervous system, there's nothing wrong. Like, nothing's broken. The, that stress that I took getting slammed into the floor of the ocean is gone. Like, we're safe. And he understood that. And this was five, six, seven years ago. And, dude new lease on life. And more recently, you know, uh, on my, I was just talking to a buddy last night. Like, I, I don't know how it happened, but I had this hip flexor, it band TFL. Like what I would, this is how I would diagnose it. So I don't know what the hell was actually going on. Couldn't tie my shoes. Couldn't put on my boxer shorts, like could barely squat. And, uh, he's like, you know what you need to do? He's like, here's what I want you to do. Get squat 135. I want you to do the most, the ugliest dog shit squat you can do with your knees caving with your toes out, like everything power athlete is against, yeah, right, yeah it's not toes forward, it's not like we have a very specific way we want our young athletes to learn how to squat because it replicates athletic position, it replicates on field performance, but i'm a thirty six year old dude who has thousands and thousands of reps under my belt in that position.
0: I like the' it's, going already, yeah,
1: he's like, take that paradigm and shift it, yeah, and dude, I did like. 10 reps. And with each rep,
0: just as shitty as you could.
1: Yeah. And it, I put, I, I put a couple reps on my social like months ago and people were like, I, I call it, I think I called it my Zen squat. And I was curious what our coaches would say about it. And I, my intent was to follow up with a piece of content with ant that never panned out. So now people just think I squat like a more, <laughs> but, uh, I'll shoot, I'll text you the link to the squat, but with, Seriously. Each, with, with each rep, it was like, um, if, if you could if you could liken the pain to like the, the screeching or static, like, you know, when you have a microphone feedback, if you could liken it to that with each rep, it just kind of calmed and got quiet and quiet and quiet. And I came up for air and like put that bar back on. And I'm like, dude, if, if I was possessed by a demon, like someone has exercised the demon and I, I'm telling you, I'm like, he did it again. And it was over a Facebook message and i gone to Kairos, they've been doing acupuncture they've been doing traction they've been doing art man i had this dude doing tissue work on like uh my scalenes and in my like pubis and on my um like in my feet and ankles that was like excruciating dude excruciating because that's it, it, nothing and then this guy tells me to squat like an idiot for 10 reps with 135 of them and um and it worked that's and so what's crazy serious. is anybody like anybody would say, that's the type of form that's going to hurt you. You're going to get injured, right? But like humble brag, I squat 475 pounds.
0: That's pretty. We good. Should air pound. That was an air pound to Texas. Right. There
1: you go. For ten? No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. For one.
0: <laughs> there you go. But,
1: uh, and probably not today, but at the time. Sure. Um, why couldn't I handle 135? Yeah. Twenty really percent for in, in these, in these compromising positions, pain-free and like I, I could, and it in fact helped. Yeah. Here, so I'll uh, go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I, I do. I made a note to, I want to see this, so send it to me. But I mean, has he talked to Rob or, uh, or like, um, how does this overlap with some of the other stuff that's going on? Because, uh, I mean, is it in the RPR family or it, it, it seems like there's a growing consciousness of just the, the way that everything is, uh, neurologically, like the nervous system is, mm-hmm. is connecting all this stuff, doesn't it?
1: I'm not, I don't know. Right. And this is one of those things where he like starts to explain it to me. And, uh, I'm like, man, like I have to really, I have to open up some resources for this. Can I just trust you? And like, that's a lot of, you know, yeah, it's a lot more economical. Totally. So, but that's what I'm eager about. But to talk a, a little bit about, um, you know, the way he describes it is at least using training and like, so this train, a barbell, dumbbells gym space rubber floors racks all the things that we would like into performance training mm-hmm. you know he, he subscribes to the fact that these things are rehab tools the movements we do squatting lunging stepping pushing pulling rotation crunching flexion extension these are ways that we we load these we load these in a manner to drive adaptation that replica that that provides us a platform for performance on a football field yeah he changes the execution loading patterns in 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 ways that are meant to calm down the nervous system, hmm. so that you ultimately walk away pain free, right? And so his his the way he kind of illustrates this is that there's a if there's a pyramid, right, which is kind of like an overused chart or diagram. At the top of the
0: yeah
1: at the top of the pyramid is performance,
0: yeah,
1: right, um, and that is where as you specialize right and know you're, let's say Roger Federer and you're a world-class tennis player all of a sudden the universe of options to help drive that performance forward yeah like the the margin narrows Mm -hmm. and at the base of this pyramid is dysfunction and pain yeah and the idea there is you need to if there's certain things that you cannot do without pain Mm -hmm. then you like you're in trouble right i can only squat this way because it's pain free well you're in trouble that doesn't mean don't squat that way it means we need to figure out why and we need to we need to open up that bandwidth to squat different ways or curl different ways or do certain types of pull-ups if you want to achieve that pinnacle performance totally and like the real the real reality is like i got a, one of my best buds separated his shoulder broke his collarbone um same shoulder and he totally fractured his femur when he was 16 years old. So like everything's twisted, things are bad, this one's bad, things are just bad. Like that dude's not going towards the pyramid, so. No. But he doesn't know that, like he's trying to train like I would train. He's like, man, your form is this, your depth is this, I see your training videos. So Aunt Lowe would say, no, 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 this guy's gotta train differently. Yeah. In the sense that there's a combination of movements and loading patterns he should be doing that would unlock his ability to do more stuff, right? So, another sidetrack because with like RPR, Cal's actually coming out to our gym in February to do an RPR clinic, or his guys are. But not so, we not only have uh, Aunt Lowe there, we also have Rafa Weez is doing a practical. Nice. And then speaking on that Saturday is Dr. Craig Bueller, who's another witch doctor dude. That, like, if anybody out there is a chiropractor, PT, you know, and like this guy is just so accomplished and he's like the world's greatest secret. Look up, um, John, if you look up John Stockton, ankle sprain, Craig Bueller or John Stockton, ankle sprain, Amit, a, or Amit, A M I T. Basically Bueller was able to take like this severe ankle sprain intern. Do you remember the details on this? Just like the most gnarly ankle sprain of Stockton in the NBA finals. Yeah. Went back to the locker room 20 minutes later, used his Amit technique and Stockton came back ready to rock. Wow. Game-winning shot. Like, he was Carl Malone's and John Stockton's um, private Cairo. And they attribute their long careers to this dude because he cha- He shifted the paradigm on how to treat pain. Right. You know? And he, so he's talking.
0: That's awesome. Uh, on,
1: on Sunday. And then Raph Ruiz is shutting us down. So that was like a 30-minute a blurb. But, like, the what makes this event different and just to keep kind of blasting you, Jim, I know it's like – um is you we don't want it to be a clinic, we don't want it to be a conference, McQuilkin goes to those things. I went to one, I can't do it. Like that's this is not like at the end of the day, we're throwing the party we want to go to, right? Yep. And and very much so I've used this uh kind of as jokingly and lighthearted, but all sincerity goes into it in terms of my efforts in planning and executing this event, is we want to create an experience. Yeah. And uh that's so corny. Um Everybody wants to do that, but again, maybe humble brag. I I know we can't. Like we that's what we believe we do is we we manage an experience and we create an experience for the attendee. um, that is one of, you know, corny kind of buzzword, but maybe it's vulnerability. Like dudes in that room who typically are like pretty standoffish, yeah, manage to open up, right? And then dudes in the audience open up ladies people are more open to different perspectives connections are made between members of our power athlete community that would not otherwise be and that's the experience that's the objective of this thing you know and i wish it was a brand building event and you know i wish that we made tons of money off of it but that's not how it's set up you know it's about tell tell me about
0: where the like the, the the secondary cause here
1: Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, another hustle we're involved in is Wade's Army. So Wade's Army is a 501c3 charity that John and his wife stood up back in 2012 uh, in honor of one of John's wife's childhood friends who lost a twin. She had twins, lost a twin to neuroblastoma, which is a nervous uh, a cancer that affects the nervous system. It's the most fatal childhood cancer. Uh, and most underfunded or least funded. So we would call it underfunded, but least funded, I guess. Um, well anyways, we decided to step in and raise awareness and that has snowballed as well as things tend to. Uh, and that's what, uh, power Athlete symposium is a fundraising vehicle for that. Right. So, uh, silent auction on that silent auction I talked about on day one, all proceeds, get kicked off to, to Wade's army. Uh, everybody, we're going to have multiple events throughout the weekend that are, you know, like we're calling it our feats of strength that are, um, kind of like 50, 50 type stuff. Like there's opportunities all over the place. Sponsors are donating to, to Wade's army. Like, uh, so the goal is to continue to raise funds, build awareness and, um, and start truly helping families in need instead of, uh, you know, I, am not a, the official spokesman, but I'm with these guys every day. Yeah. Um, Text leads the charge there, and John and his wife. But the objective is to to give to the families, not to the pharmaceuticals, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not trying to be. Con- it's not a conspiracy play. It's just there's a lot of money trying to take these things that don't work, yeah, and combine them in ways to help to hope that they do work, yeah. Whereas you know, we Wade's army would just rather take the hundred grand that they would donate to a, a f- clinical trial and, uh, go to a hospital and build a kitchen. Yeah. Right. So parents and kids can have real food Yeah. instead of like the hospital food. So that's, that's the type of initiatives that Wade's army is really pushing for. And, and, you know, there's only like 11 or 12 treatment centers in, in the country. So let's say you're in, um, let's say you're in Washington, Seattle, and you find out that, you know, you're, your child is suffering from neuroblastoma. Well, you got to relocate to Cincinnati or you got, you got to relocate. Right. And it's, it's permanent. So you, your job is likely going to let you go. Right. So you're unemployed. You're in an area where you have absolutely no connections. People mortgage their house, they sell their cars and they get to this place and they live out of these red roof ins and they fight with their kids in the most gruesome, And unforgiving fight that a two-year-old, one-year-old kid can go through. Yeah. And, like, they have no money. You know, no one's helping them out. Insurance doesn't cover a lot of that stuff, right? Right. So we get put in touch through our followers. uh, Wade's Army does. um, And, man, we buy people – we bought people minivans. You know, we've covered a year's worth of rent. We've covered, you know, things like that that ease the burden uh, and may not be a total solution, but at the end of the day, like – Going back to that optimism thing, if you're burdened by these other things and, and you don't have bandwidth to have hope, right. like that's a sad place to be in. And if we can just put a little glimmer in there, maybe that changes things for the better. And, you know, God forbid, it, you know, it's extremely high mortality rate. Mm-hmm. But hopefully the, there's some fond memories that we can contribute to should the worst happen. And, you know, more so, maybe we can contribute to a cure. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's amazing. It, and it's, it's, so, it's so on brand. Because um, it, w- the way you're talking about approaching that specific concern is like individualized. It's not. Um, it, it's not here. It's not just like power athlete methodology. It's not here's the one way to do it. it just crossfit and you'll be healthy, or you know, just just do whatever. Uh, it's thoughtful. It's a thoughtful approach. It's not just dump a hundred grand into the pharmaceutical company's lab for research. It's let's look at this family their concerns and help them overcome them. Mm -hmm. I I think it's amazing. And I think it's an incredibly worthwhile cause. I love the way you guys do it.
1: I appreciate it, man.
0: For sure. Um, So with all of that, uh, I think what what we, even though it took us a half hour to get there, what we're recognizing (laughs) is uh, it's an, it's an important event. Uh, It's a very valuable one. Um, I know that when Alex and I first came down a couple years ago, I think we felt the same way that that you probably did, which was this just feels different than than the other stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, and I actually get val. I, I like the other stuff. I'm, yeah, I'm excited yeah. to be part of those uh, the conferences and clinics. And but this certainly is different. So I would ser- I would say anyone who's in the field uh, doesn't have to be just strength sports coaches, I would say that le- business leaders, anybody, um, mm-hmm. if you're looking for something just a little off the beaten path, that provides incredible value. Uh, th- this, might be it. It's a, it's a very cool and refreshing take on important concepts.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that, man. And, and I guess not, and also not my intent wasn't to discredit those no, events as you know. And I guess for the listeners, like, man, I, I, while maybe, maybe a few years ago that stuff would really intrigue me. But like, again, I just value and trust a guy like Chris, who's much like yourself, Jim, like he McQuilkin, he goes to these things and like, he can come back and distill for me right in 10 minutes. What do you uh, got the, in two days? And, or, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that's laziness or what, but like, man, it's just, there times a valuable resource. And like I said, it's, you know, these things don't necessarily fuel my fire per se, but I also recognize having a, a global understanding and awareness is necessary since this is the industry we're in, man. Like, so.
0: Well, I like that. So, and maybe even, and maybe that's, it sounds like that's an important part of Texas Texas' role, the role of Tex, in mm-hmm. your organization, is, is he can digest and distill for sake of distribution, and you know yeah, someone's yeah. gotta be out there doing that. That makes sense. I also gotta say that when we do our Beyond Strength clinics, it's called a clinic, uh, but but we I, but dude, I'm telling you, we say this at the beginning of everyone we're about to plan is like you, we we don't want there's not a template for We're not trying to check the boxes on a template. We're like. What would we want to experience if we had, you know, if, if it was four or five hours over the course of the day, what would we want to get out of this? Um, right. and, and we have not been able to replicate power athlete symposium, nor are we necessarily trying to. And that's why I would say clinics are okay if you do them right. But the power athlete symposium is, is unique to everything. Oh yeah. As far yeah, as yeah 100%. I've seen um, and I highly recommend people buy it. some part of it is sold out. Is that right? Some.
1: Yeah. So the early birds, so we had this early bird special going on where you get like swag pack included you know, you walk away. I think we're doing like speedos and sweatbands or something like that. You know, we got some for you. Don't worry. Um, no, we're doing like, you know, we have shirts and hats and stuff like that. We're going to like, you show up, you get your swag pack. So that was included. So that's sold out. But right now we're all access. And I think I want to say November 17th is going to go late registration. So, you know, I was, uh, we sat yesterday and put every ticket up on a cork board and we went up and we pulled the ticket off and we said, who is this person? How do we know that? And we told fond memories of, of these very meaningful people that are coming to, you know, cause we remember every face and what was sad is like, you know, there was no Jim Davis ticket on there. You, you know,
0: did, uh, <laughs> did maybe, uh, did someone was that text again? Did he forget to post it up there?
1: <laughs> um, uh, but, um, Yes. And it, I guess the, the big call to action, right? Power athlete or events. power athlete, hq.com slash symposium. And, uh, yeah, I, am I'm, I'm hoping my full intent is to have much like last year, uh, one of a kind of experience, you know, and, uh, at least for, from this end of the, the aisle, you know, and not fishing for anything, but that's like, that what, the, what sucks about that though, you know, is then all of a sudden every year is kind of a new playbook, right? And last year, my full intent was, all right, we've got the playbook. Mm-hmm. Like, here it is. This makes next year so much easier. Yeah. And then we changed the playbook.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Okay, so can I, I – I'm sorry. I know we're going long, but this this no, is my, my my final question, I promise. Um, has it has it gotten easier as you've gone along? Um, you know what I mean? Or there's mm-hmm. just new challenges? Or are you able to manage your stress differently or better? Or you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, so I'd say ma- in terms of managing stress, better, yes, and it, I think it goes back to actually one of our speakers, Chris Morris, who's um, man, is he Louisville? Do you remember? Is Chris Mo- Dr. Chris Morris? Do you know who? Do you know this dude? Fluid periodization, dude.
0: Uh, yes, I do. Um, it might be Louisville or, yeah. or um, Kentucky. It might be Kentucky. Uh, I think it's Kentucky. Okay, I think it's uh, sorry,
1: Chris, <laughs> but. Um, you know, one blurb he said when he was on the podcast is like, you know, one of the best tools for managing stress distress is, um, and that's for, through training and whatever, however you want to take it um, is meditation. Yeah. And um, I'm like, man, I've tried meditation. That doesn't work. He's like, that's what all my guys say, but I measure stress. And even the guys who say it doesn't work, guess what happens? Their stress readings go down. I'm like, hmm, well, that's interesting. What's it like? What do I need to do? He's like five minutes, maybe one minute, like any, any minutes. I'm like, huh, one minute, like I have no, like, and it works. Even if you don't think it works, he's like, yeah, that's right. And I'm like, okay, well I'm doing that now. And so that has truly made a significant difference in the first three months. It was like, this is working, but all of a sudden, like there is this re, um, or progressive ability to, to have a calmer head and you know, yada, 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 everything you Well,
0: it, but, it's true that like fitness improves over time for sure.
1: And and true like not to sound douchey and maybe it does but you know it hasn't gotten easier but I also think that's a bit self-imposed mm, because I'm not inclined to sink a lot of time into easy stuff mm-hmm. uh, because I don't find value a ton of value in it which it like ultimately makes me the worst taskmaster in the world because tasks tend to recur and I don't I just yeah, like, like, like talk about something that just blow like just takes the air out of the bubble man Yeah. so like I know somewhere subconsciously I changed this playbook intentionally, but uh, everyone around here will tell you how I was forced, you know, I've made it well known. I was forced to change the playbook, but.
0: (laughs) No, I believe Um, in it. Well, well, and, and that's the truth of growth, which is why I think developing those individual strategies of whether it's, you know, healthy, we, we always say eat, move, sleep, take care of those first and then, and then very soon after becomes some version of stress management or day management or meditation, something like that
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because the people who are driven and, and are going to accomplish big things, like the next level is always going to be a level up. That's an obvious mm-hmm. truth. So um, you got to kind of master yourself first. Well, I certainly um, – I'm pumped to get my ticket and I, mm-hmm. and I hope that everyone listening uh, goes on – what did you say it was? Power Athlete events.
1: Events.PowerAthleteHQ.com. Got to go. And that'll get you – like you will be, you should be able to find it from there. But if you want to go right into it, then you add a slash symposium.
0: Ooh, I like it.
1: And then uh, – or, or it's like all over our social too, at PowerAthleteHQ. So like it, you'll be able to click through from there.
0: I like it. And your Instagram account is what? At
1: the Luke Summers.
0: Just not to be confused. I like it.
1: Yeah, because there's some other Luke Summers out there. You know, he's a real creative dude he hopped on it early. He's got all these cool photos. Like I can't strip him from that, man. I can like, who am I? I'm just a guy that bangs weights, you know?
0: Yeah. You're just the Luke Summers. That's all. All right, man. Well, I really do appreciate it. We're going to take off. You want to say goodbye to this guy? Good to see you again. Bye. (laughs) Bye. There it is. That's what we were looking for. All (laughs) right, dude. uh, We'll talk real soon. Okay. Take care, boys. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen. And feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.